Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to today's episode. So this episode is, I want to be giving you four things that you're going to do every day for the next 30 days and watch how transformative it can be. I want it to be kind of like a challenge to the extent where I'd love for you guys to jump on the Facebook page and see who else is going to do the challenge and kind of you can have, you know, people on that group doing the challenge together. But it's just four things. They're not even that hard. They're not time-consuming things. But the key, pretty much with everything, the key is just consistency. In everything that you do, consistency is king. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. Pretty exciting. They are fucking transformative and your life will change if you do this consistently. A little bit of a life update. You are listening to this on a Monday. I'm recording this a couple of days earlier. I'm recording this on the Saturday actually. Um, And tomorrow, which is the 15th of May, I am going to be running a half marathon. So RIP to my legs. But I'm feeling I'm feeling kind of weirdly confident. It's like blind confidence or whatever they call it, where you probably shouldn't be feeling confident, but you are. Um, I just had this like bout of excitement for it, even though I've not prepared the way I prepared last time I ran a half marathon. And I just, yeah, I just feel really good about it. So maybe, you know, my psychological delusions will get me through to the end of the race. So stay tuned on that. I will let you know how I go. To be honest, my aim is to just run the whole thing. I don't care how slow I am. I don't care if I'm like putting along as long as it's a run. That's my goal for tomorrow morning. So wish me luck. Stay tuned. And if you want to know how I go prior to listening to the next episode, just follow me on Instagram, which is at Alexis Predez, P-R-E-D-E-Z. And I will be keeping you updated. Anyway, so that's pretty much all I have to talk to you about with my life update. I want to get straight into the brain fact and then get into the the things that you're going to be doing for the next 30 days because it's going to be It's going to be intense. It's going to be transformative and life-changing. So the brain fact that I want to talk about, well, it's not really a brain fact today. I'm just talking about heroin, the drug. You guys know how much I love pharmacology. If you're new here um, and this is one of the first episodes you're listening to, if you go back and listen to a whole bunch of my episodes, I do brain facts all the time. And my favorite kind of a brain fact or anything to do with neuroscience is pharmacology. Love pharmacology. Love talking about drugs and their mechanism of action on the brain, on receptors and all that shit. Um, so if you're not a fan of this, just fast forward. It may be like five or so minutes, five, seven minutes, and you can get straight into the episode, the theme of the episode. Okay, so let's get into it. Heroin. So so let's start with what heroin is. Heroin is part of the opioid family. Um, so it's a really highly addictive sub- substance. When someone talks about you know, an addiction to painkillers. They're talking about an opioid addiction. Um, Really, really addictive. Um, I'm going to go into a whole bunch of other kinds of opioids in a moment, but it derives from that. Heroin actually derives from morphine. And morphine can be produced from within the body, endogenously produced, but in really, really small amounts. Most of the time when you're talking about morphine, you're talking about an external, like an exogenous kind of morphine in a drug of some form. Now, heroin is also known as diamorphine. Heroin and morphine have a very similar structure, but heroin has an extra two acetyl groups to the structure. So if you think about, without, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but when you think about molecules, they all have a molecular shape, okay, and, and different things are going to contribute to what makes that shape different, like whether it's got a carbon group added to it or a hydroxyl group. With this particular structure, um, morphine has a you know particular structure and heroin is that structure but with two acetyl groups added onto it and that's why it's known as um, diamorphine or diacetylmorphine, okay? It's morphine with two acetyl groups, so di 
to acetyl and morphine. So these acetyl groups added to the morphine structure, which makes heroin, cause this drug, the compound, to have a longer half-life. It lasts longer within your system. It doesn't get broken down as quickly. So it slows down how the liver processes it and how it's metabolized by the body. And obviously meaning that it's going to be active within the system for longer, the high is going to be longer, and the effects of morphine in general, or heroin I should say, are felt for longer. And it's it's kind of up to two to three times more potent. Heroin is two to three times more potent than morphine because of that, because of the extended half-life. Now, heroin is metabolized primarily in the liver, but also a little bit in the brain as well. So when you take the drug orally, like codeine, morphine, it goes through the liver, which adds compounds to the molecule to start metabolizing it um, and how much you're actually getting to experience the the high of the morphine or the heroin is going to be very different than if you smoke it or if you inject it. So if someone is a drug abuser of heroin, they're normally going to take it intravenously so it gets to the blood a lot faster, it's bypassed the liver, you're not kind of meta- you're metabolizing it in a completely different way. So it gets to your blood and your brain a lot faster and that's where you get that high. So if you eat it, it gets metabolized completely differently. Now, once it's actually in your system, in your brain, once it's crossed the blood-brain barrier, what happens is that it binds to this opioid receptor. Now, this receptor is normally acted on by your own hormones and and, um, neurotransmitters. For example, um, uh, endorphins will bind to that, which endorphins are like neurotransmitters that get released when you are exercising. It's like your body's natural painkiller. So it acts on these opioid receptors within your brain, like on on your nerves, on um, on the neurons. And once it binds, it causes pain relief, sedation, reduction in anxiety, feelings of euphoria, and also this sense of detachment. So that feeling of euphoria and the sense of detachment is what's going to give you this high feeling, this feeling of being on like a crazy high. And it also causes the neuron to become less likely to fire an action potential. So it's inhibiting the action or like an action potential. And it also inhibits calcium conductance from the neuron that's that is sending neurotransmitters. So when you inhibit a calcium conductant, the neuron's not sending neurotransmitters. So you've got a neuron that normally dumps neurotransmitters onto the receiving neuron. The receiving neuron obviously receives it and then you get some sort of action that occurs and you're inhibiting from both ends. You're inhibiting from the sending neuron and from the receiving neuron, to put it in simple terms. But then where it happens along the spinal cord of the brain is going to determine what kind of action is going to occur. So different receptors on different cells around the body is going to give different results. So if you have binding at a nerve cell within the spinal cord, it's going to inhibit pain signals to the brain. That's why morphine or heroin is so good as a painkiller. But it it also acts on a part of the brain that helps regulate the experience of the emotional aspect of pain um, by acting on this particular part of the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex and it like reduces acti- action potentials in that area. And then it also activates levels of, um, like it increases dopamine levels in a part of the brain called the nucleus accumbens. It increases activity there which releases more dopamine. So this could be one of, the, or this is one of the main reasons why heroin and opioids are so addictive because of this link to the release of dopamine. Um, now, the more exposed you are, to heroin, the higher your tolerance. This is with a lot of drugs. You become really tolerant to the drug. So normally what a heroin addict could take after you know years of abuse um, would kill 
the everyday person who has never taken heroin before. Like it's literally a lethal dose where it's something, it could be a daily dose for a, a heroin addict that's been abusing the drug for a long time. So when there is an increased tolerance to a drug, you actually see a change in receptor numbers on the surface of the cell, on the cell membrane. So you're literally getting these physiological changes within the neurons on the brain. The surface... On the surface of the cell, you see a reduction in these receptors. So there's less receptors to act on. So the effect is not as brutal. So the person needs to take more of the drug to experience the same effect as someone who's never taken it before. But because of these physiological effects on the brain, withdrawals are then experienced when there's an absence of the heroin or, a dr- or any opioid that you're taking. So withdrawal symptoms can be um, sweating profusely, feeling extremely sick, tremors, having really bad... Um, um, thoughts or nightmares or, you know, like it's just an awful experience emotionally and physically um, and it's extremely, extremely unbearable and it normally causes most people to obviously go back on the drug because they cannot handle how intense these withdrawals are. And then there's drugs such as like methadone that are prescribed to wean people of heroin. It's like a less aggressive form of an opioid. It's still not good for you but it's not as aggressive as heroin and that's how you kind of not, not for everyone, but that's one of the ways to help someone um, come off a heroin addiction. Now, what does an overdose look like? If someone's overdosing on heroin or opioids for that matter, um, opioids being like morphine, oxycodone, um, fentanyl, codeine, hydrocodone, which is also known as Vicodin, there's a whole bunch of different opioids. If someone's overdosing, they're either unconscious or they're really shallow or slow breathing because what it does, it also suppresses or it like shuts down a lot of activity in the brainstem and the brainstem is in charge of like breathing, heart rate, blood pressure, all of that. And you're suppressing your, you know, um, deactivating activity in that area. So you're going to have very shallow or slow breathing, really faint heartbeat, pale skin, your arms and legs are all limp. Your pupils are really, really tiny, vomiting, can't speak. It's pretty intense, obviously. Um, and when you are overdosing, you, when someone... (laughs) ideally not you, when someone is overdosing or is having an overdose on heroin, they are given something called naloxone and this medication can really quickly reverse the overdose effect. It's an antagonist to opioids. It antagonizes, which means that it's going to compete at the binding site where the opioid binds to the receptor. So it knocks off the opioid and it blocks that receptor and reverses the effects of the opioid, the heroin, the morphine, whatever the opioid is. So when this happens, your breathing is pretty much instantly restored your heart rate goes like comes back up all normal functions come back but naloxone can only be used when someone is overdosing if you don't have opioids in the system then naloxone has no effect so you can't use naloxone as a treatment for someone that is an addict unless they're actually you know on the drug at the time Um, otherwise you're not going to feel an effect and naloxone can be given as a nasal spray or it can be injected under the skin subcutaneously under the skin or into the muscle and it lasts in in the person's system for about 30 to 90 minutes Um, but some opioids can last longer than the 30 to 90 minutes so if someone has overdosed they normally obviously monitor that person for a long period of time to see if they need another dose of naloxone you know to get them through this overdose. Um, but obviously, obviously that person should be under medical care if that's the case. You, that's not your responsibility. That should be, you know, with the paramedic or in hospital. So, yeah, that's pretty much heroin. I thought I'd just, you know, talk about this. I've had, sadly, very sadly, a lot of people, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but more than a handful of people um, message me saying that they know someone who's addicted to opioids or heroin and what does it mean, What what's going on, what does it do. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk a bit, little bit more. I've spoken about opioids a little bit, but I wanted to do a more in-depth chat on 
heroin in particular and what goes down in the brain and how it kind of manifests as a high and all of that. So, hectic, but let's get into a completely different topic now, which is the four things you can do every day for 30 days to absolutely transform your life. So, let's get into it. So, what I want you to do with this exercise is obviously, A, try and do it to the best of your ability. B, if you miss one day or you miss one of the things on one of the days, don't beat yourself up about it. It doesn't mean that you have to start from scratch. It's just the more often you do it, the better. Ideally, you want to be doing it all of the four things every day for 30 days. But if you miss one or two days here or there, don't beat yourself up. Don't be like, oh, it's fucked. I don't have to. Just do as much as you can, okay? Try and rope someone to into doing it with you if you can because it's always – you can – Never rely on someone to do something. Never never say, the reason I didn't do this is because my accountability buddy didn't keep me accountable. That's just shoving the blame to someone else when it is your responsibility. But having said that, it's always going to be more um, doable if you have one, two or more people that are doing it with you. On the times that you're like, oh, not today, the person is like, hey, have you done, have you done your 30-day thing? Have you done this? Have you done that? So it's I love the concept if whenever, if and whenever possible, have an accountability buddy, have someone that you're doing it with. And that's why I said at the start of the podcast, um, write it in the group. If you guys are doing the 30-day challenge, write it in the group and see who's doing it with you. You know, you can find an absolute random who's going to do it if your partner or your friend or your housemate doesn't want to do it with you. Okay, let's get into it. The first thing you're going to do, number one, is you're going to do a strategy to increase your awareness, okay? Your self-awareness specifically. So at the end of the day, you can do this throughout the day, but if you're doing it throughout the day, also do it at the end of the day. I want you to, it's like a log, to write a log, write down everything you did that day that cock-blocked who you were trying to become. Because you can't change what you don't acknowledge, so you need to identify everything that you did. And we're going to look at different categories of identifying. You're going to look at actions that you did. So what actions did I take today that got in the way of who I want to become or what inaction occurred that got in the way of who I wanted to become? Was there a time where you were sitting on the couch and you thought, I could get up and do that one thing that takes me 20 minutes, but oh, and you procrastinated. So was it something that you failed to do or was it something that you did that got in the way? Like you ended up spending way too much time on your phone when you could have been doing something else. You know, you could have been studying this little thing, this language that you want to learn, but you ended up being on Instagram for too long. Like what is it? Write it all down, all the little actions throughout the day that cock blocked you. Then the next category is what interactions with people did you have or, you know, with with yourself, but ideally with people did you have that got in the way? So this could be, I didn't stand up for myself today and that gets in the way of me being who I want to be. I put myself down in front of other people. Someone gave me a compliment and I said, no, no, no. And then you absolutely just shamed your own body instead of just gracefully accepting a compliment. Guys, on a side note, when you receive a compliment, you've got to think of a compliment as a gift. If someone was to give you a gift you wouldn't be like, no, 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 and throw it back in their face. You would graciously accept it. They're like, that's so nice. Thank you so much. When someone compliments you, this is another side challenge that you can do. Learn to accept a compliment. That's one of the best things you can do for self-love. If someone compliments you, just say, thank you. That's so nice. Thank you. That's really sweet of you. Don't counteract the compliment with you absolutely like roasting your appearance, your body, you you know, don't body shame yourself as a response to someone giving you a compliment. I know it's really hard for a lot of people because they might struggle with body image, but 
try to do that because that's one of the ways that you're cock blocking yourself from becoming the person you want to become from from feeling the way you want to be feeling so the other one is like i said interaction did you not stand up for yourself? Did you put yourself down in front of other people? Or maybe did you respond in a way that you didn't like res- how you responded? Did you get really angry when you want to be someone who's more understanding? Write it all down. And then the last category is what thoughts or beliefs did I have that I allowed to brew for longer than I wanted to in my mind? So whether it's a really negative belief about your abilities, about your appearance, about who you are, about what you're deserving of in a relationship, whatever it is, write it all down. The What occurs, awareness is everything, guys. What happens when you start writing something down is you become acutely aware of your patterns. And it seems so basic and it seems like, oh, but if I'm writing it down, and am I not just reinforcing this? But you're not at all because you're now becoming analytical about something that is subconscious. You're now becoming conscious of the behavior that is normally subconscious. And that is exactly what you want to do. When something becomes subconscious, you have basically, you've kind of, um, what's the word? You're kind of outsourcing a job to somebody else, okay? So, for example, when you start driving, it's a conscious effort, right? When the first few times you're driving, the first few months that you're driving, it's like, do not talk to me. You're trying to focus on everything. Now, after years of driving, it's subconscious. You've outsourced the the intensity and how difficult it is to your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind takes over and it sometimes takes over in a really good way and it sometimes absolutely takes over your life in a really bad way because it's just, you know, taking the reins and run off. That's what happens with negative thoughts. You're trying to pull them out of your subconscious and bring them into your conscious awareness because when it is in your conscious awareness, you can intercept and change. When it's in your subconscious, you cannot. So that is the beauty of it. You write everything down, Okay. The beauty of another beauty of this is once you write it down, is that the next time you think this thought, you're like, oh, I'm going to write this down tonight. It doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't creep in and linger for too long. You become aware of your thoughts and your behaviors a lot quicker. You start just by being aware, you start intercepting things quicker. For example, one of the techniques for people that um, uh, have a tick, like a habit that they're trying to break, is to have like a little rubber band or a counter that they hold. And every time they do the action, they just count it, okay? Every time they have this, you know, behavior or addictive tick that they do or like it could be not not addictive tick, but it could be like every time I check social media, I just count it. Every time I open the fridge, I just count it. I'm not trying to stop it. It's just raising awareness. And that, they, you know, they've done all these studies that groups of people that just – number and become aware of every time they do the behavior the behavior then drops down biting your nails all of that kind of stuff just by counting how many times you do it you become more aware of it and you do it less okay so that's kind of the theory behind writing down every way that you cock block yourself that's number one number two you're going to rewrite and visualize so this task is tagged onto the first task but If you're going to do one of the two tasks, the first task is the one that you're going to do because awareness, 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 awareness. So number two, rewrite and visualize. So for a couple of minutes, it doesn't have to be for too long, immediately after you've done this awareness exercise, you're just going to write down and you don't even have to write it. You can think up alternatives to all of those things you did. So imagine yourself tomorrow encountering a compliment and imagine and visualize how you would respond the next time you would say, thank you so much. That's really nice. Or, oh, I haven't heard that before, but I really appreciate your kind words. Whatever the fuck it is that you want to say. 
Or if you're about to put yourself down, what would you say instead? Like maybe it wasn't for a response to a compliment. Maybe it was something else and you're just about to put yourself down just for the sake of it because you want to be funny. Can you be funny without self-sabotage? Is that possible? Maybe it is. Um, if you remember when you were sitting on the couch and you thought, oh, I just stayed there for too long, imagine yourself getting up and doing that thing and then feeling great after you do the thing. It's this whole idea of imagining your future self, visualising it and making it more of a reality and a possible reality in your head, okay? This only has to go for a few minutes. This is not a massive process and you don't have to rewrite every single thing you did that day, just some main ones, okay? Just so you get into the headspace of visualising this new reality, the new, your new way of being. You can think of something that you thought negatively about yourself and then in your head you're going to think of three positive things about yourself. Right now, you can even pause this thing and right now, Write down into your phone, in your notes, your three favourite things about your physical appearance, your three favourite things about your personality and the three favourite things that you have to offer to other people around you. Write it down and you might think that you've got nothing but everybody has three things that they can think of for each one. Even if it takes you an hour, I don't care. Sit down and write those down. So there should be nine things in total and have it in your list and pin it to the top of your lists. If you're, I mean, depends what phone you have, but you can pin notes to the top of your list. So when you open up your notes, that list is at the top. I want you to refer back to that list every time you're having a moment where you're having a self-sabotage moment or you're making a joke about your own appearance or who you are. Read it and, and remember, remind yourself of these things. Keep them top of mind, keep them top of awareness until that becomes a subconscious thought, until your subconscious thoughts are more likely to revert back to the things you love about yourself versus the things that you're going to laugh about yourself or, or, or hate about yourself. Number three, energy shifters. We are going to create some awesome energy shifters and I want you to pinpoint three times in the day where your energy needs to be shifted. Well, you're only going to pinpoint two times because the first one is a non-negotiable. The first one's in the morning and you're going to do this in the morning, okay? You have to think about your energy and what you do with your body as heavily as being one of the main influences of your neurotransmitters and the neurochemicals that are going on in your brain. Movement has a direct, instant impact on the neurochemicals that are occurring and being and the release patterns of the neurochemicals within your brain, okay? So if you get out of bed, roll out of bed and you're on your phone and, you're, and you kind of drag yourself to the bathroom and then you're on your phone and then you get a coffee but you're on your phone and you're, and you're on your phone, what do you think is going to happen? Not much. You're going to be in this zone of like, oh, I'm pacifying my discomfort. I'm pacifying my, my you know, aversion to, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be there. What do you think's happening in your brain? It's just going to carry on, carry on, carry on. You're not going to be feeling really great. You're not going to be feeling really motivated. The coffee is going to be a bit of a pick-me-up, a little bit of a stimulant. That's great. And then you're just going to start your day versus you getting out of bed and choosing physical movement and something like um, which I'm going to – music, which I'm going to tell you in a sec what to do, music and physical movement to completely transform your state, your physical state and your, and your the, the chemical state within your brain in that moment, okay? So you could get out of bed, you slash you will get out of bed. You're going to put on your favourite song or playlist so you're not banging on the same song a million times th throughout the day. Put on one song, one song, okay, whether it's headphones or – speaker I don't care and you're going to move your body okay you can stretch you can just stand there and look at yourself in the mirror reach your arms over your head take a big inhale and then exhale drop your hands back down and do that for a full minute or a full song however however long minimum a minute guys minimum one minute 
but ideally for the duration of a song, which is around three minutes. And you are going to just move. So for some some of you guys, that equals I'm doing a hit. I'm doing squat jumps. I'm doing burpees. I'm going to go nuts for a full three minutes. For some people, it's I'm going to just jog up and down. Some people, it's skipping. Some people, it's I'm just going to do some downward dogs and stretching and open up my chest and back. Some people, it's just some nice deep breathing with arm movements. But it is movement with music and with deeper breath. You are changing your posture. You are getting your blood flowing. Blood flow, increased blood flow increases oxygen to the brain. Increased oxygen to the brain equals increased activity throughout the whole brain. You're getting a nice release of these neurotransmitters. Your brain regions start connecting and communicating a lot better. You're a lot calmer. You can self-soothe a lot faster. I can go on and on and on and on and on about the benefits of just changing your posture and breathing deep and getting some circulation happening to your brain, okay? So that's what you're going to do. So that's the morning. But then pick another two moments within the day. They can be random, but ideally, I want you to pinpoint when do you normally fill a slump? Is it the typical 3.30? Is it, oh, I normally have a lot of meetings in the morning and around 11, I'm like, oh, before I go out for lunch and I'm feeling a bit, well, is that the time? Is it straight after lunch? Is it when you finished work and you're like, I have no drive to do anything after I've finished work and I just want to collapse on the couch? You choose, whenever. But the morning is number one. What are the two times minimum? You can do this as often as you want. What are the two times in the day do I need to physically change my state to impact my emotional state, my emotional well-being, my mental health? What are the two times in the day? And I don't care if you're in a fucking office. I don't care. Put on your headphones. Go to the bathroom if you have – ideally not because you don't want to be inhaling like toilet smells. I mean you can if you want but that sounds a bit rank. But go for a walk. Just say I'm taking five. Stand up, sit back down, stand up, sit back down. Who cares if people think you're weird? You're changing your physical state. Put some headphones on, move for a minute. And while you're at it, put together a badass playlist. And guys, share your playlist on the Facebook group. Let's share some awesome playlists that are going to really get you in the zone. Okay? Share it. Share it with your friends. Get your friends to share the playlist with you. You're going to do this three times a day minimum. In total, that is what, like nine minutes of your day broken up? And what's nine minutes in your day? Do you know, I literally just paused this and calculated it. Nine minutes is 0.63. Not even 1%, not even 1% of the time in your day, 0.63, pretty much half a percent of the time of your day will be spent transforming your mood and energy for the entire day. That's a pretty good trade-off to me. That's a fucking good trade-off to me. Okay, so you're going to do that minimum nine minutes, three blocks of three minutes. You, can, you know what? You can do three blocks of one minute. I don't care, but do it. Now, the last one is you're going to change your bed routine even just for the next 30 days. I want you to create a 30-minute pre-sleep routine. The first thing that you're going to do is you're going to eliminate visual stimulation. If you're somebody that watches TV before bed, that's beautiful, but don't do it for the last 30 minutes before you fall asleep, okay? If you're someone that can't fall asleep with total silence, that's okay, but I don't want visual stimulation. Your visual cortex takes up more than a quarter of your brain. It takes up so much of your brain. There is way too much stimulus going on. If you need something in the background, it is sound, but not visual. So you're going to eliminate visual because that's going, you're going to start noticing that your sleep is going to get better. You can watch TV, but turn it off about 30 minutes prior to, like just before the wind down. So 
you can have something like an audiobook. Sleep stories are great. Sleep stories are fucking awesome because they're designed to wind down and not be too intense or stimulating. But you can have an audiobook, podcast, a sleep story, whatever it is that you want. Um, or you can have something even less stimulating like rain sounds or, you know, like those sounds that help you fall asleep, whatever it is that floats your boat. So that's how you're going to be winding down. But then separate to that, I want you to have a huge glass of water by your bed, if not two. If you're like me and you drink, like I wake up in weird like semi-awake, semi-asleep states and pump through like a litre of water in the seven hours that I'm asleep, weirdly. I get so thirsty in my sleep, it's weird. But I also have a big like a bottle of water in the morning and I try and drink as much water as possible when I wake up. Not to make me sick, but just, you know, it's one of the best ways to wake yourself up without feeling groggy and shit. It's hydration, okay? So a big glass of water by your bed for the morning. And then what you're going to do, ideally before you put on the sleep sounds and all of that, at the start of this bedtime routine, you've brushed your teeth, you've gotten into bed, I want you to write a list, okay? You can do this outside of your bed, but this is every night before bed, write a list before falling asleep. This list that you're going to do is going to be the best way of putting everything that's in your mind stressing you out or that you're overthinking or whatever onto paper. But we're going to do a slightly different list to how you normally will do a list. Yes, you're getting everything out onto the page so you don't have to overthink it. It's literally lists are literally proven to help people reduce anxiety because it's physically there in front of them and they're taking the the stress load off their memory and putting it onto paper. So that in itself helps you wind down. But – we're going to order the list into categories. You can either just write everything down and put little letters next to each one, but the categories are going to be urgent versus non-urgent. The next category is, category is going to be hard action versus soft action. I've done a podcast on hard action versus soft action, but basically hard action is where you're really doing the work. It's normally going to feel like more effort because it is more effort. And soft action is where you're kind of doing peripheral work that helps you kind of get there, but it's not really, if you only ever did soft action, you never get anywhere. So for example, soft, if you're looking for a job, a soft action is looking through a job um, ads. That's a soft action. You can do that all day long, but it's never going to get you anywhere. A hard action is booking in the interview and rocking up to the interview, you know, or um, making a phone call to someone. That's a hard action. An email to someone is a soft action, you know. So it's it's the things that are more intense that are going to get you further and you're going to see more results. That's hard action. Soft action is like it's helpful, but that alone won't do too much okay so identify what is hard action what is soft and then identify what is your passion or purpose versus what is not so put you know so you got urgent non-urgent so that's u and nu little letters hard versus soft h versus s and then purpose versus non-purpose so and p versus np or whatever you want but put little like letters next to each thing and then you're going to put a little star or you're going to circle at least one of those three categories you want to at the start of the day, do at least one hard action or something towards a hard action. You want to do something that's urgent, like actually urgent. And then you want to do something that's got to do with your passion. And you're going to do that and you're going to say, this is what I'm going to prioritize tomorrow, ideally in the morning. But at some point tomorrow, I'm going to do at least one of these hard purpose and urgent things. That way, as you work through your list, you feel super fulfilled that you tapped into those three important things and you're going to feel very, very fulfilled at the end of the day, even if you didn't get through the list. It doesn't matter if you didn't get through the list. Shit happens all the fucking time. Roadblocks occur, you know, 
we constantly running into things that are not in our control. So much of our life, most of our life is not in our control. So never beat down on yourself because you don't get through that fucking to-do list, okay? But the aim is to identify what could be done and the things that really would, would make your day and would make you feel fulfilled if you did them. And it's one from each of those categories. I can guarantee you do one from each of those categories, it would change your life. Do that for 30 days. You never want to go back, okay? So that is the 30-day challenge, guys, to just reiterate. The first one is to increase awareness, increase awareness on the behaviours or the behavior that you did or didn't do that's cock-blocking you from becoming the person you are. The interactions that you had, that's stopping you from becoming the person you are, whether it's blowing up at someone, not being patient, negative self-talk, putting yourself down and the thoughts and beliefs that you had. The second thing you're going to do is rewrite and visualize. Like I said, you don't have to write it down if you don't want to. It depends what works for you. Some people love the writing aspect of it. Some people just want to sit there, close their eyes and visualize. But you're going to visualize what it would be like to override those with a different action. And imagine yourself doing that in the, the you of tomorrow or the you of next week. The third thing you're going to do is create energy shifters, get an like a badass playlist and think of what movement you're going to do. First thing in the morning when you wake up, get out of bed, you're going to physically change your state and then pick another two times throughout the day. Have that playlist ready to go. That's the the energy shifters. And the last one is you're going to change up your bed routine. No visual stimulus 30 minutes before falling asleep and you're going to do that special list where you're breaking down the different categories off that list. All right, guys, 30-day challenge. And I want you to start today or tomorrow really because you're doing the morning thing. I don't know what time you're listening to this podcast episode, you could start it today, if not tomorrow, 30 days. So today or tomorrow is day one. If you miss a day, keep going. Don't think, oh, well, I'll start again on Monday. No, 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 no. Just keep going. Keep going. That day still counts as a day. Just just fucking keep going. Don't stress. If you miss one of these points, just keep going. It's fine. Just the main thing is out of the 30 days, is it possible to have done this for 20 of those 30 days? That's That's a great success. Could I have done it for 15? Could I have done it for 30? See how you go. Ideally, if you can, share your progress. Share how you're going on the Facebook group. I can guarantee you this will change your outlook on life. It's going to change your mood. It's going to change your productivity. It's going to change how you sleep. Everything's going to change. And it's so simple. Anyone can do this stuff. Anyone can do it. But it just takes consistency and it takes a bit of discipline. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed the brain fact as well. Please share this episode. Share it with all your friends and family. We're going to reach all the beans around the world. Um, And as always, remember, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone. And especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.